Thanks for joining us and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Periodically, we'll bring you true stories of angelic encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. When we come back, we'll begin our next episode. again and welcome back. I recently came across some information from Perry Stone on how past generations survived in times of crisis. He goes on to talk about in another broadcast about emergency items that are needed during a crisis. So I combined these two broadcasts and put it in the podcast today and I think you'll find it very enlightening, especially in the atmosphere that we're in now. So here now in part one of our broadcast is Perry Stone talking about survival lessons from the past and what we can learn. I want you to give me your absolute undivided attention and take time and listen to everything I'm going to be sharing with you on this special video. I am uh, a four-generation minister. My great-grandfather, grandfather, and father were all ministers. And I learned a lot of practical lessons from these men. My great-grandfather went through the Great Depression, and so did my great-grandfather on my grandmother's side. And there's a, a long story behind that because she was adopted. And uh, so I want to I want to share with you something very, very interesting on the lessons that they have taught me over the years. I'm 62 years of age now, and I've learned these lessons. I've heard them talk about things that's going to help you in the times that we're living in. Now, for a moment, I want you to go back, let's say 120 years, and I want you to begin to think with me what our forefathers had to deal with. Go back go back to World War I and the Spanish influenza in which millions of people were affected. In fact, there were deaths everywhere because of this. And then you come into the 1920s, 1929, the Dust Bowl was taking place in the Midwest. And then the great stock market um, crash took place in which thousands and thousands of people, good, hardworking Americans, lost all of the money that was in the bank. That was followed by the Great Depression, which lasted for seven years. Also included in that was World War II the battle with Germany and with the Nazis, and then the attack on Pearl Harbor and the war came with Japan. And we continue on and we begin to think about things that happened just in our nation. We had to go through the time of the Vietnam War and even more recently the 9-11 attacks. And now we see so many things happening with the COVID virus, which has affected the entire world. So I want you to think for just a moment, how did the older people before there was iPhones, computers, Uh, even television sets or an internet, how did they make it? Why were the old timers, and I say old timers, not in the sense of just age, but I'm talking about our ancestors that preceded us, which would be my father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. They were very joyful people. 
They were very happy people. They lived a much simpler life, but yet they seemed to be able to survive much better than people are doing today. If we were to lose the electricity, people would lose their mind. If the power grid were to go down for two weeks, I don't know what the young people would do. Literally, uh, they would have breakdowns. And you know what I'm saying? Because we, we, including myself, are so dependent upon the electrical gadgets of the computers and everything that I'm doing now is from a studio that operates off of digital computers and digital lighting. So let's talk for a moment about what I have learned concerning lessons of survival from what I call the old time saints. Number one is this, the old time saints being again, Christians from previous generations that went through hardships and trials did one thing that was very, very, very important. They prayed continually. When the Bible talks about praying without ceasing, they took that literal. So in other words, they spent time in intercession every single day, not just on Sunday. My father used to come in my office and say, brother, can we have a word of prayer? Well, I knew what that meant. One hour of praying. My dad prayed one hour every single day. Now, what that does is it builds your faith because when you pray in the spirit, Jude says it builds you up in the faith and it keeps you connected with God and it lifts the weights and the burdens that you're carrying when you pray for an hour. Now, I know some people say I can't do that. Well, think about how much time you spend on the internet. Think about how much time you spend watching TV. You can do it. It's only a matter of taking the time to do it and the right place and the right time, of course. The second thing they were very familiar with, and I've seen this through my family history and with men like Dr. T.L. Lowry that was my mentor, M.H. Kennedy, Floyd Lahan, and others, was they believed very strongly that there were some things that could only happen unless you pulled the plate aside and you fasted. Well, nowadays we have different types of fast. We have fast where you eliminate sweets and eliminate meat, but you're still eating. Well, from the biblical technical term, that's not really a true fast. The Hebrew word fast means to shut the mouth. So basically it means water and nothing to eat. Now, some people because of medical conditions aren't able to do that. And we do have to exercise wisdom in those things. But the old timers, including my dad, my dad, when he was in his 70s, he had numerous different physical problems that began to attack his body. But, you know, I would hear him say, I'm going on a three day fast. Now, he was 72, 73, 74, 75 years of age. And dad is going on a three day fast. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to contact the Lord. He wanted God to see that he was determined to see greater results than he ever had. When my mentor, Dr. T.L. Lowry, went on a 40-day fast one time, someone said, Dr. Lowry, what are you doing? And he answered this question There's a, by saying this, there is a place in God that I have not yet got to, got to, and I'm going to get there. So laying aside the plate, according to the Bible, Jesus even said concerning demonic powers and attacks, that some of these things come not out but by prayer and fasting. So the old timers were very intent in praying every day, sometimes 30 minutes to an hour a day, they were very intent on fasting on a consistent basis, uh, basis, understanding how fasting and prayer combined was God's power twins that defeated the powers of the enemy. The third thing that they were very aware of was the righteousness of God that was in Christ Jesus and the fact that they had to live a sinless life. Now, to live a sinless life takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that can be done in the flesh. But a lot of times growing up, there was a lot of you can't do this, and you shall not do that, and you won't do that. Now, people try to see how much they can do and get by with and still call themselves a Christian. Well, in the old days, people lived a life of what was called holiness. Now, I do realize because I grew up that way, 
that there was a little bit of legalism connected with some of the men's teaching and preaching. However, remember this, that it wasn't about trying to omit things just for the sake of omitting it to make people happy. Their concern was they wanted to do nothing at all, at all, say nothing or do nothing, that would displease or grieve the Holy Spirit. I believe today people sit around and watch movies with all kinds of language, including taking God's name in vain. They carry on conversations and tell jokes they shouldn't tell, and they actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, how can you walk in the Holy Spirit? How can you have the power of the Holy Spirit? How can you pray for people and expect results when you're walking in that manner? So they understood a holy life. The Bible said, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So you have to, I know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, the way the Bible says. But there's also a scripture that says, lay aside the weight and the sin that's so easily weighing you down. So they, re, they made sure that they got rid of any sin that was in their life. That would include forgiving others. That also included very heavily, and I remember these days because people were persecuted back in the uh, 60s and 70s for what they stood for. At least our people were, that they prayed for their enemies. They didn't abuse them. They didn't curse them. They prayed that God would convert them and save them the way that the earlier church prayed for Saul of Tarsus, who later was converted and became Paul the Apostle. Now, having said that, let me just share this with you because this is very, very, very important. Uh, another aspect of this is that they took care of the poor and the needy. There were times that the old time people, the old time saints would literally feed the poor and the needy when they didn't even have much in their own cabinet. They understood the spiritual principle of Matthew 25, that the blessing of God, the eternal blessing, was going to come on them for taking care of the poor and the needy. They cared for people that were incarcerated in prison. They visited the sick and the afflicted. Basically, they did everything in Matthew chapter 25. And I can tell you from experience that they never missed a church service. Now, today, people try to get out of church and they actually try to make an excuse for not going. That doesn't please the Lord because the Bible says you should not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of son and so much more as you see the day approaching. You should be in church as much as possible every time the doors are open. And that's another thing. My grandfather on Christmas Day, when everybody was staying at home, would put on that suit and tie and walk to the church, which was about uh, half a mile away or maybe a fourth of a mile away. And he would always be in service. I never forget. He'd put on that hat, suit and tie. And it doesn't matter when it was. It didn't matter if it rained or shine or snow. He, wanted, he loved the house of God. He loved being around God's presence and God's people. Never, ever missed a service. We used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and every Wednesday and every night there was revival. But now you don't see too many revivals. Most people have canceled the Sunday night church because people don't come. You want to know why they were blessed. You want to know why they saw miracles. You want to know why when they prayed, God answered them. These are the things they did that helped them survive the worst crisis that would come to their life or that would come to the nation. They exercised faith and they exercised patience. They believed that God heard them when they prayed. And the, and the last thing I would have to say and I know this based on the number of people that attended my dad's churches. Your dad never pastored big churches. He pastored mostly smaller rural churches or churches in good-sized towns. Probably had 50, 80 to 100, 120 members of every church. But I know one thing about the old-timers. They always gave in the offering. They, they believed in tithing. They believed in giving. And they knew that in heaven they would be rewarded. Now, sometimes today when we give, we look for the blessing now. They never did that. They just said, I will have a great reward in heaven. And you know what? They will. I want to conclude by just saying this, and I want you to hear this story. My grandfather uh, owned apartments. He was a great builder. And there was about five apartments that he owned. And I remember many, many times when I would be visiting him that a coal miner, perhaps, that had lost their job would come and say, Mr. Bava, I'm sorry, but I've lost my job. And they're going to be on strike probably a month or two. 
what should I do? I don't know if I can make my payments. And my granddad would said, don't worry about it. And I watched him one time for six months allow a coal miner and his wife and kids to stay in the apartment at no charge whatsoever. And he even helped them pay the electric bill. Can I tell you something? His reward wasn't just here in doing that. He has a great reward at the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ in heaven. So I want you to remember that we are in difficult times, but there have been more serious and more difficult times than we are seeing right now. Ours is a different form of trouble and persecution and pressure that's coming. But the old timers made it and left this life with faith and will hear the Lord say, well done. So let me encourage you today to exercise the same principles that these spiritual moms and dads and great grandmothers and great great grandmothers and grandfathers did to got them through their troubles and trials. We'll be right back after this. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us each week for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's the Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube. We continue now with part two of our podcast with Perry Stone talking about emergency items needed in case of a crisis or a national emergency. I want to thank you for joining me on the Perry Stone YouTube channel. Now, I want to share with you something with the times that we're living in. We hear people talk about inflation, deflation, possible hyperinflation. Then it's consistent talk about natural disasters, droughts, earthquakes, and so many other things that could wipe out parts of the food supply, historical flooding in Europe, which is damaging the uh, supplies over there. We talk about the shortages, supply shortages. A gentleman behind the camera was telling me that one of his friends went to Knoxville uh, to find a restaurant to eat in yesterday, and they were either closed or out of food. Uh, can't get people to work. I mean, this is a real mess that's going on. So uh, we also have the situation with, uh, you know, a, a pot, the another type of form of the COVID called the Delta out there. Um, you know, people are confused about what to believe about all this. One person says this, one person says that. I'm not going to get into all that. But I do want to share with you what I believe are wisdom principles, six things that you as an individual can begin to do now. And I'm going to pick up my list here and hold it. I feel, I feel like a news commentator right here, you know, behind a news set. But um, number one is to begin to sell things that you don't need. Proverbs 22 and 7 says, The rich rules over the poor and the borrower. The borrower is servant to the lender. Uh, Romans 13 verse 8, Owe no man nothing but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So, there is a spiritual principle in the Bible about trying to be free of debt because what debt does, it makes you a slave and it makes you a servant. So I would suggest to try to find uh, places where you can sell stuff, what, however you can do that, of the uh, stuff that you don't need. You've enjoyed it for years, uh, but maybe you can get an income there that will help you to 
pay down debt or pay down credit card debt or things of that nature. And uh, uh, I'm a card collector, sports card collector, and I've been selling some of my best cards. Uh, I, it's, that, that wouldn't do me any good to tell you what cards they are because most of you don't collect cards and old ancient coins that I've had for years. So I'm just I'm doing that now uh, selling what I what I don't need. Number two is to become as independent as possible. Now we are dependent on one another. The church body should be dependent upon one another. We are a body, but I'm talking about here uh, when it comes to, let's say medicine is start understanding natural remedies and get a, a someone who deals in that realm and maybe they can help you. I've had someone that deals with natural things begin to help me physically with some areas of my life. Uh, food, plant, uh, Planting your own food, canning your own food, dehydrated foods, food storage, dried food, etc. Personally, I think that's wisdom. I don't think you have to overdo it, but I do think you should have a good supply with uh, fault lines that could go off. The new Madrid fault line would cut off the food supply if it was a, a 0.8 earthquake uh, all the way from the Midwest to the East Coast of the United States. You have to think about things like that, not in fear, uh, but if a prudent man sees the day of trouble coming, the Bible says he prepares. So think about that. And also going old school on fixes and remedies and things of that nature. There's some good books out there on that. Number three is I think we need to talk about returning to a simple, basic life. The scripture warns us about cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things that will just come in and try to choke the word. And you might be surprised, and I've, I travel through a lot of mountain towns and uh, uh, parts of Georgia, but West Virginia, Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, especially those four states, the Appalachian chain. And I find out that some of the happiest people are the mountain people. They're just not bogged down with cares. They just chill out. They just go with the flow. So release yourself from cares of life. Any area where you can release yourself from those cares and the things that are weighing you down, do that. In my own ministry, I was responsible for Omega Center International, Voice of Evangelism, and uh, also uh, helping to build the ISO School of the Word, which is an internet Bible school. And so I released two of those three things by revelation of the Spirit and by what I felt in my spirit. And I have been a totally different person releasing myself from the cares and responsibilities that I, I put myself under. Okay, number four, have additional money on hand. Now, it's important because of storms that can knock power out or uh, situations where you have to get out of town because a hurricane is coming. And I've told people, everybody wants to carry around $100 bills, but you'll discover that in a crisis that they want uh, several things. Number one, they, they need change. There's always a change shortage. So quarters, dimes, nickels, and pennies are important. But the $1 bills, the fives and the tens and the twenties are the best, especially the small denomination. Because if you go into a place where everybody's given a hundred, they have no change. Somebody's bought $50 worth of gas. They, you know, how do they give them uh, money back from all $100 bills? And I've had people who have uh, owned convenience stores when they were getting out of town during a hurricane, and it's the person that had the low bills that they would say, come to the front and pay because they needed that. So that's just a, a thought there. Do not store money where a thief can get it or a fire can burn it. Find out what to do to, uh, and I'm not going to recommend anything on that. You'll have to do your own research, but you should have some additional cash on hand. Number five, have additional long-term food on hand. Now, long-term food would be uh, food that you buy from companies that it lasts for 10, 
20, 25 years. And of course, if you ever hold on to it that long, start eating it and then, uh, you know, restore it because you don't want to hold on to it for an eternity, especially if it's in the can. Now they're putting it in uh, sealed bags and they're putting it in plastic containers, which is the much better way than the metal cans of years ago. Uh, so if the electricity fails, you have to have a source of being able to cook the food you have. So many people have the dried food, but they don't have a way of cooking it. And so you can buy a little solar power generator that can help you do that. You can buy the little generators that plug into the phone. It's all solar powered. I have three of those. So if the power goes out, I still can charge my phone. These are little things, not expensive, but little things that you have to have in the event of major storms or if there's a power grid. Say the power grid gets hacked. What are you going to do if the hacking continues for two or three weeks? And I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying we're in a culture and in a time where things have changed. And you do have to think about these things and you don't want to wait to the last minute. You need to get camping supplies, uh, matches and candles, uh, basic things, whatever you need. Like, just like if you were out camping outdoors, what would you need for the camping? You need flashlights and so on. So think about these things in the event of a downturn or a crisis or a uh, uh, an earthquake or something of that nature, even a hurricane. You, you, you all have been through the hurricanes. You know, you know how to prepare. This is probably old news to you. Um, number six is get backup power. And I mentioned that a moment ago because uh, we found out one time we had a storm hit through town. The power was that was a snowstorm for like four days and all the meat began to spoil that was in the freezer. And so little generators can sometimes help you. And again, solar power is good. Of course, if you don't have any sun shining, that may be an issue. I'm not sure how all that works, but there's things that you can get to help you in the area of electricity. And number uh, seven, and I would conclude with this, uh, uh, I actually said six things. I want to add this on my own. This wasn't actually in my list, but I want you to caution you on investments because everybody just jumps on what's hot, makes a little bit of money, jumps on what's hot. Uh, everybody uh, is trying to make fast money and at, at times you're able to do that, but use wisdom in your investments. And you will also discover that um, in, in history, now I'm going back all through history, that gold or silver coinage is bartering tool. It is a bartering tool. You don't necessarily invest in it to make money. It does go up at times and you can make money on that, but it's also a good bartering tool. So uh, these are things that we need to, to prepare for. Now, I am a person who studied the Bible over 170,000 hours, and I still believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but I do believe some very, very powerful events are going to happen before that rapture ever takes place. It's not going to be what we preached. Everything's going great. And all of a sudden Jesus comes, then hell breaks loose. No, hell's breaking loose now. But that doesn't mean we're in the great tribulation. We are in crisis time. And tribulation uh, means distress and uh, of different types, mental, emotional, physical distress. It can all, it can mean that. But uh, I hope that you will take this to heart and just uh, use wisdom prepare. And when you saw COVID hit and the store shelves empty, I mean, they were empty in our town for weeks. A truck would come in, bang, everything is gone. Then you understand the significance of having a supply so that you don't have to get caught up in some kind of a panic if something happens. That's the reason for everything I just gave you. Okay. Uh, by the way, new bo the book, Apocalyptic America's Apocalyptic Reset. We ha also have a lot of other books. Go to perrystone.org and look at our resource uh, books that we have and material. We have just DVD, CDs, teaching material that will teach you great things that you need to know spiritually and also practically, prophetically as well. Thank you. Watch the announcement and we'll see you again soon.
Please give me your undivided attention. Many months ago, I began to hear secular economists announce a new global reset was coming. That's when I heard this phrase in my spirit, the American apocalyptic reset. For several weeks, I woke up early and began receiving a series of stunning prophetic downloads that I penned and now have placed them all in my brand new prophetic book, America's Apocalyptic Reset. This book is a must read for all Christians, for all of those who love Bible prophecy, for conservative Americans and American patriots. The 19 chapters go extremely deep into exposing the agenda now being secretly plotted and to be publicly forced upon us, the American people, and how we can counter it. I discovered some very stunning ancient prophetic parallels and patterns, some that go back 4,000 years that are repeating themselves in the United States right now. I deal with America's great Babel reset and the planned persecution of Christians, America's self-curse that will eventually bring judgment upon the nation, the coming Jezebel clash, the woman who will be president, how should we act and wisely resist corrupt governments. I reveal the unique Silicon Valley parallels and also go into the plans to bankrupt, then reset America economically. Also, I talk about how to function when the church must go underground. I received a very unique revelation concerning President Trump and a pattern that's found in history. There's a chapter also that I deal with how did the prophets get it wrong and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, this is probably the most significant prophetic book in the history of my ministry, especially in the time that we're in, but that's not all. I'm also including my most recent inside information prophetic briefing on two audio CDs. It's two hours in length, and I will release detailed information that I cannot, and I want you to hear me, I cannot, nor will I, share this on social media or on television, as absolutely in the climate that we're now in, a lot of this information would be targeted for being blocked and banned if it was made public and not done in this private setting that we're doing it in. These two hours contain biblical, political, national, and international revelation and information that I am sure that many of you have not been aware of. It is for truth lovers only. I want you to order right now this prophetic resource package, my brand new book, The Apocalyptic Reset, and the two-hour prophetic CDs by going online at perrystone.org or calling 1-888-21-BREAD or write me at Perry Stone P.O. Box 3595, Cleveland, Tennessee, 37320. Now, we're making this available for your donation of $35 or more, and you can request the offer APR-140. That's APR-140. I'm going to unmask the radical globalists and individuals who have set out to oppose and silence Christians, silence patriots, and shut the mouth of conservatives. And we will show you in the book what we can do when we unite together. We are looking forward to getting this into your hands. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us on our new video channel called Encounters from Beyond the Veil. It's the same exciting content as our audio podcast, but in a shorter, but yet a video format. Also, please subscribe so you won't miss any of our episodes. That's Encounters from Beyond the Veil, exclusively found on YouTube.
Thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Also, give us a like. We welcome any comments or suggestions you might have. We also ask you to subscribe so that you will be notified of all our future episodes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Thank you.